0: the youth come home and they share the stories of what God has done, it will literally impact us and it will change us. So I want you to do me a favor. I'm asking you, I want, here's the deal. Scripture is very clear in uh, Joel and Acts reminds us that, that, the, that the, our youth, our youth will be the ones that God will speak through. Almost, and I say not almost, but literally in a prophetic way, coming and speaking the Word of God boldly. And in that speaking, we will hear God speak through them. And in turn, it will change us. So basically, we're inviting Timothy and our youth this morning to come and proclaim the Word of God boldly to us so that it can change us forever. So if you're okay with that, just give me a thumbs up. Okay, give me a thumbs up, and that's silly, right? Think you're like, oh my gosh, that's so cheesy. I know it is, but I want you to respond. So go ahead, Timothy. Take off this morning. It's all you. Did you have a good time?
1: We had a we had a blast. Good job. All right, man, lead us lead away, buddy. All right, I'm gonna need that hand handheld. Well, good morning, everyone. We specifically, I narrowly survived a very fun. I think I think Steve texted me and said, "How's it going?" I said, hectic, frenzied, and glorious, which I think about describes what happens when you personally take 26 to 30 people on a bus an hour and some odd minutes away, and then you just do crazy stuff and go after Jesus for five to six days. It, it's pretty awesome, and we actually have students that are going to come share. Um, who were impacted by this week uh, in in such a way that they feel like it it is something that will shape and form them, not just a good memory, but something that is ongoing in them. So if I invited you to share, come up here now. Um, One thing I want you to do, and Steve kind of touched on it, is it's very easy to think these are just stories to listen to, and while that is partially what there are, there are also experiences that you are invited into. Um, because I, I don't believe that God does things coincidentally or accidentally. Um, I believe if he does something for one member of our body, it is so that the rest of the body can be enriched from that experience. So, you know, when you hear our seniors and Harvest share, don't think that's a great story for them. I think that is fantastic Jesus, I would like that. Will you do that for me now? Okay? Cool. So, Sydney. Yeah, thanks. Go ahead, Sydney.
2: Hey, guys. Is it on? It is. Okay. Um, we used to play this game at my house when we were eating dinner called High Low. It's not really a game, but uh, there's my parents. Hi, Mom. Um, it's just where you say your high point of the day and your low point of the day. And throughout the week, Vintage would meet together. because uh, there were How many students were total at the whole camp?
1: Oh, total?
2: Yeah, like everybody. Oh,
1: gosh. Over, between 200. 250 and 300?
2: Something. It was a lot of people. So vintage would kind of come apart at one point during the day and just talk about our highs and lows of the day, talking about worship, uh, social interaction with people in our cabins and other things like that. And so we're on the bus riding home, uh, and Andrew actually asked me what my highs and lows of the week were. probably should have this already, but... The funny thing is is that my high and low are kind of the same thing. But um, on Tuesday night, um, we kind of talked about being free and um, being filled with the Spirit. And um, he, uh, the pastor, Mark Fritchman, mm-hmm. that's his name, um, he was talking about how Jesus emptied himself of his... Writes as God, I think that's in Romans, where he talks about how he laid that aside so that he could embrace humanity just like we are. Uh, And he emptied himself and was filled with the Spirit as he was baptized, the way that we can be. So it wasn't that he's Jesus and he got the Holy Spirit also, but he emptied himself and filled us just the way that we can. So he wasn't more filled or had more of an ability than we can. And so I just thought that was so amazing. And I was just weeping just as he was speaking. It wasn't even the music was going and we were worshiping. He was just speaking. And it just hit me that Jesus said we will do even more great things than he did through that spirit, the same spirit that he was given. And that was just amazing to me. And also something else that he mentioned through that, um, he talked about waiters, like people who serve people at, um, at restaurants. They don't just sit around and wait for people to get their food, they're serving while they're waiting. And I just thought that was so awesome. That was just a little free thing. <laughs> but, um, and so that was my high, was to realize that we have the same spirit that he had and we can do even greater things, which is totally mind blowing. Um, but also my low was that I didn't feel like God had like physically touched me or spoken anything specific about my, the camp was called The Calling. And I didn't feel like he told me, this is the calling on your life. Um, And so we all have this call to be um, Christ followers and to love God and to love other people and to make disciples. But I don't know my specific calling yet. Um, And so it was really a low that I didn't have that experience yet. But I know that... um, Either the Shekinah glory that we just sang about can either come in a moment, and it's amazing. And I haven't experienced that yet, and I'm so excited for it to come eventually. But it also comes in small steps that you grow over the years, and you see little glimpses. And it's j- it's the same glory. It's the same presence, but it just doesn't all come at one time. So there it is.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Um. Stand well, up. Uh, stand up. Wait, stand
1: up. Oh. I'm just as tall. It's okay. <laughs> he said I'm just as tall when I'm sitting down. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> um, okay. Well,
0: for those of you who know me, I'm really overanalytical, and I overanalyze everything, and that actually leads to a lot of worry about everything that's going on and that worry really causes mistrust in people and god and that really breaks relationship with god and with people and it's really hard to build relationships with people whenever you don't trust them and so it's really hard to build a relationship with god when you don't trust him and this week he was really just working with me in that and um breaking that and um bringing just about a peace. Like, I had never thought about before. I don't remember. This is, like, in the morning in the prayer room. I think Mason Tanner said something um, about just resting with God in his presence. And really, you don't have to always, whenever you're praying or doing, you don't have to always be doing something with God. You can just be with God. And that can really just fill you with a peace and it's a lot easier to be joyful with God when you're at peace. And I think that's something lots of us struggle with is worry because this world is so busy um, all the time, every day. And if we just need to sit back um, and focus on God, like focus on why we're here, it's for his glory. And when we can just sit back and realize his glory, that brings about a lot of peace in our lives. And it really helps us to, connect with him and connect with other people, because whenever you're not connected with God, you can't really minister to other people, because he's not in you, and that's the only way you can minister to other people. So, that's what I got.
1: But Before Harvest Harvest shares, um, this is a little bit of a leap, but I'm just going to go for it. Um, For those of you who don't know Andrew, he is over-analytical. Um, so it really is activity of the Holy Spirit that can actually change the way that he normally is into a way that is more in line with the character of Jesus. Um, so what I want to do, if you're, if you're willing, if you are similar to Andrew in that uh, you find yourself a lot of times being bogged down in like the hectic nature of life. Like you find it very difficult to say, Here, Jesus, here's my day, here's my job, here's my salary, here's my family, here's my house, here's my car, here's all of this stuff. And I'm just going to rest in the fact that your perfect love and your grace and your mercy will sustain me. If you have a difficult time trusting Jesus and it leads to you feeling distant from him or feeling overwhelmed with life, um, I think we we could go ahead and pray for you right now. So if that's you, if that describes you, will you raise your hand? All right, if you see somebody with a hand raised around you, look around. Look around. If you see somebody with a hand raised around you, go to them right now. So keep your hands up. Keep your hands up. All right, so what we're going to do is we believe that since Andrew just shared this, this is something that Jesus is doing in this moment. This is a special moment for these people where they were, we will actually experience freedom from this. So I want you to go ahead and pray right now for them out loud that Jesus would do the same thing and free them from worry, free them from anxiety, free them from pressure, and allow them just to rest. So go ahead and go for it. So, Jesus, we thank you for this testimony. Um, We thank you that your desire is for us to come to you, we who are overburdened and weighed down, so that we could experience your light and easy yoke. I pray for those right now whose hands have been raised, who acknowledge that this is defining parts of their life. I pray that right now, this instant, they would experience the light and easy yoke that you offer them, that they would feel pressure, they would feel weight, they would feel anxiety just lift. I pray that that dark cloud they have been living under would vanish. I pray that they would feel the warmth and peace of your presence. So, Jesus, we speak to this thing right now and say it must be gone. Holy Spirit, I pray you would fill them right now so that they could experience love and joy and peace in you right now. So we thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for bearing with me there, guys. That was that was good. Everybody just sprung right into action. Man, way to go. Um, and so I asked Harvest to share. Um, so you've got Sydney and Andrew who sort of represent things that went on with our students, things that things that the Lord did in, you know, students you see, students, you know, even your kids. Um, and But Harvest is coming at it from the perspective of going as a leader, looking at, looking almost from sort of Our non-youth perspective. So I want you to look at this as something that maybe the Lord is inviting you into for our students or for others. Okay? Good with that? Go ahead.
3: Well, I was with freshman girls and I was a little uh, nervous about going into it just because they're freshman girls. And I'm like, I'm not going to get any sleep. We're going to talk about ridiculous things that don't even matter. And no. I'm not sure I'm not sure how like deep they're gonna really be and so I was just kind of like okay well I'm gonna be in the cabin and um, it's amazing to me it was the second night um, something really happened to me and I feel like I've been here since November and uh, you know I'm still I'm like I feel like still like the new kid in school like I'm getting to know people I'm learning to know who I click with and you know just getting to know everyone's names and um, Monday night, uh, I feel like for the first time, I really took ownership specifically of the girls and what the Lord was doing in their life. And it was during ministry time. And um, I think what impacted me most is how much they trusted me to hear from the Lord for them. Um, And I didn't realize, I I just didn't realize how much weight they put on me ministering to them. And so one girl would come up and, I mean, guys, they asked or they told me because I would ask them. I'm like, what's going on? So they would tell me these like deep things that I'm like, oh my goodness, like this is crazy. Like I just feel empty and I did and I don't know who to run to. You know, I'm like a little freshman girl. You know, I just feel empty. Um, you know, another one, you know, trouble at home that's happening, and she's just broken. She's like, I just don't know what to do anymore because of you know parent stuff. You know, she's caught up in the middle of it. Um, a lot of them were just like I want to feel God. Like I really want to feel and I'm sitting there and I'm hearing what's going on but it's just going in and out and she's like and, and my heart in me like it wants it so bad but I just don't feel anything and everyone else is getting touched and, and I want to feel it and I'm like that desire alone inside of you is the spirit at work even though you don't feel the desire to feel comes straight from Jesus and so he's already at work in you and so Um, I would pray and I would just hold them and we would both just cry and then, you know, and they would get done and then I would feel like a little tap on my shoulder and I'd turn around this way and here comes another one and I would just hold and cry and hold and cry. I must have prayed for a dozen girls and it was just, um, just being able just to hug them and hear from the Lord, um, what they were really going through, um it was just an amazing experience for me. Like I felt like a mama, you know, like I'm only 23 and just hold, like I felt responsible for them, like responsible for their walk in the Lord and the weight that came on me of, you know, one of the girls I had a very specific word for, and she shared, she was in my cabin and she shared even afterward. She's like, I heard, I heard God's, like God spoke to me for the first time. You know, and it was through just two words that I had said. She's like, I've never heard God. Like, no one's ever prayed for me before. Like like that and said, God said this. And, it, you know, it was very dramatic for her. It changed her. It's like, I heard from God. You know, so just the weight that they put, I didn't even know they were looking at me that way. But the weight and uh, the responsibility that comes with just being over these little girls, it was just like, oh. They like me more than I thought they liked me. You know what I'm saying? True. I
1: like you more than I, you think I like you, too. Thanks.
3: <laughs>
1: awesome. Well, thank you all very much for sharing. Um, so, yeah, do that. There you go. Um, I'm just going to stay down here. Is that okay with you all? Like, are you all okay with that? I don't need to be up up here. Is that all right? Um, so I was telling Steve when we got back that sort of at camp I was operating on three levels. Um, one, the first level I, w- I was receiving things, understanding things, processing things, just for myself. Like, Jesus, what, are, what do you have for me? Like, I understand that practically I'm here because this is part of my job and I'm responsible for things here, and responsible for people here. Um, but what do, what do you have for me in this? What is, what is the thing you want to do in my life, the thing you want to say to me, the thing you want to lead me to that, that's refreshing, that's empowering, that's equipping for me? Um, second level, I, I was looking at for our students, like, Jesus, what are you doing for our individual students here? And I would, at the night services, Mobley is basically, it, there's a place called Mobley Hall. Some people are like, ah, Mobley Hall, I remember that place. Um, and essentially, it's just a big room with, and the way we set it up is there are two sections of chairs. So there's like a section like this and a section like this, and it goes back. And I would just kind of pace in between the sections during ministry time and worship, just looking at our kids being like, are they okay? Are you okay? Are you doing okay? You know, and I look and if somebody was praying for me, I was like, who is that? Who is that? And be, oh, okay. It's harvest. All right, fine. I'm, I'm cool with that. Um, and so the, you know, I was, I was operating this level of, of looking for, caring for, looking after our kids. Um, then third, um, I, I was operating on this level of, of what is God doing in us, speaking to us, saying to us, that we are going to bring back to Vintage. Um, because as I said when we were start, started sharing the testimonies, I, I just don't believe that Jesus would do something intentionally in such a large segment of our population here at Vintage. And his desire would be for that activity to be sectioned off to a certain age group. I just don't believe that. Um, I mean, have y'all, have y'all ever been maybe on a sports team or in a group of people or or something where you're where you're doing something sort of competitive and you begin to get behind, but there's that one person on the team who just refuses to die, who just refuses. It. It's like they're like, like no, we are go- we are we are not stopping. We are going to keep, and that gives everybody else energy. That I, I believe that's sort of what the Lord wants to do with us coming back here. That. That, you know, we've been doing this and doing this and now there's just this extra shot of adrenaline and energy and of the Holy Spirit and the activity of Jesus for us through our students. I mean, Acts 2 is very clear. If Peter speaks and he says, you know, your old men are going to dream dreams and your young men are going to prophesy. You know, I'm going to pour out my spirit on everyone. And so a mark of the Holy Spirit being active in our church is that generations are brought together to experience the Holy Spirit Maybe in different ways, but to the same end, which is the glory of Jesus and the blessing of the people around us. And, and the camp was called The Calling. Um, and and the, the scripture that it was based off was Ephesians 4.1. Says, Paul says, I urge you, therefore, as a prisoner of the Lord, to walk in a manner worthy of the calling you have received. And so all of the talking, all the, the teaching, the speaking, the pre, it all revolved around this idea of what is it to live a life worthy of the calling? What, what does it look like? How do we do it? How does it play out practically? What are things that we can go to? What are things we can run to so that we, in our day-to-day lives, live them in such a way that is worthy of this calling that Jesus has given to us? And I don't know if you know this, but Jesus has issued a call, not just to you individually, but to us as a church. You may not even know that Jesus has called you, specifically, individually. Ephesians 2.10 says that God has good works set out in advance for you to do. And the person who says, well, not me, that's some, no, you, for you to do. He has good work set out in advance for us to do as the congregation at Vintage 242 in our, in our geographic area in Dallas and Ackworth and Kennesaw and Marietta and Cartersville. And, and so we have, to, we have to urge ourselves to live as a congregation, as individuals, a, a life worthy of the calling to which we have been called. And I think one of the quickest ways to get sleepy and drowsy To get Sidelined It is to forget that we've been called Because without that sense of calling This becomes a club This just becomes a spectator sport But when you realize you have all We have all been called To do something To participate in something To be something Well, well, well then that's different I mean we're, we're participating in a team sport Not a spectator sport so I, I want to share with you what I think God has shared with me for us. Um, so if you have a Bible, look at, look at Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 4 through 8. And I'm, we're going to share just a couple things out of there. Um, and then we're, we're going to do some praying. I now know what it's like to forget your Bible. So I'm using my phone. Bless the Lord for technology. All right, Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 4. Now the word of the Lord came to me saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you, and before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Then I said, Ah, Lord God, look, I, I do not know how to speak, for I am only a youth. But the Lord said to me, do not say I'm only a youth. For to all to whom I send you, you shall go. And whatever I speak, or excuse me, whatever I command you, you shall speak. And do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. So I think I, I think there are three things we need to do as individuals and as a body. To live lives worthy of the calling to which we have been called. They're really simple. We need to be whoever God asks us to be. We need to go wherever God asks us to go. And we need to do whatever God asks us to do. Be whoever God asks us to be. Go wherever God asks us us to go and do whatever he asks us to do. Um, We see that, that Jeremiah... Disagrees with who God says he is. He calls to him and he says, Jeremiah, I've, I've appointed you as a prophet. You're going to go speak to the people I'm going to send you. And he goes, Lord, I'm I'm only a youth. And he tries to tries to talk God out of calling him by basically saying, He is unqualified. He says, I don't merit this calling. There's nothing in me. That should want you or or cause you to call me. I am not who you think I am. And and God is very clear. Jeremiah is exactly right. He doesn't bring anything to the table. He doesn't bring anything. He doesn't bring some perfect track record or some great ability to, to the table that would cause God to say, yeah, I want him on my team. Oh, man, if I get Jeremiah, that's my first round draft pick right there. You know, he's a LeBron James of prophetic literature. That's who I want right there. He's going to change the game. He can go to Cleveland and even make an impact. Yeah, LeBron James humor for you. Um, And it's not about that. See, because Jeremiah, God doesn't say that Jeremiah isn't a youth. He doesn't say, oh, yeah, you're, well, you're not a youth. He does not say oh yeah you are well you are not a youth he He completely agrees with him. He just says, that's not how you should think of yourself, though. Um, Because I think what happens for us when we think about being who God asks us to be, you know, God has spoken to you and told you this thing about yourself, and immediately you disagree disagree with him. you say, well, I mean, you know my track record. You You know my past. That's not who I am. You call me to be holy, but look at how I live. You call me to be bold, but I'm, I'm scared. You call me to be loving, but I'm, I'm angry a lot of times. You call me to live in peace, but I just can't do it. You, you see me. You see my personality. You see the way I am. You know sort of my natural inclinations. And, and so I think you're wrong. And, and, and God is so clear that it's not calling the qualified, as we've heard a lot, but it's, it's he who qualifies the called. The calling of God is the thing that brings you into the gifting. The, the calling of God is the thing that brings you in to the character and all of these other things that equip you and prepare you to be who God has asked you to be. This, this isn't on the screen, but in Jeremiah nine twenty four later on, God says, now look, I don't want the wise man to boast in his wisdom. I don't want the strong man to boast in his strength. The one who boasts should boast in this, that he knows me, the Lord. So he says, the thing you think you bring to the table isn't, isn't even the thing I value. Your abil- you know, Jeremiah, your ability to speak, your ability to even hear from me, isn't the thing that brings value to you. Isn't the thing that qualifies you for the calling. The thing that qualifies you for your calling is knowing me. That's it. Notice it just says, and the word of the Lord came to me. In God's power and his desire and his own choosing, he intersects Jeremiah's life to call him and to appoint him. Not because Jeremiah had superior character or ability, because God wanted to. Like you, you, you have to get out of this thing of disagreeing with the desires of God for who you are in your life, in circumstance. It's your, it's your job, in your family, in your circle of friends, and in your circles of influence. Because God has placed something on you and will form the character in you. God, he, uh, Paul says, you know, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Why? Because it is God who works within you to will and to work for his own good pleasure. Not because there's something great in us, but because he's great and desires for us to be with him. So we need to be who God, whoever God asks us to be. and We need to go wherever God asks us to go. He says, and you will go to those who I send you. That, that's something we need to grasp really firmly, that our calling... When the calling of God comes into our life, it's not stagnant. It doesn't stay still. The call of God is always marked by the word, go. Adam and Eve, go, be fruitful and multiply. Abraham, go to the land I will send you. Woman who's caught in adultery, daughter, go and sin no more. Woman who comes and weeps on Jesus' feet. Go, I tell you, your sins have been forgiven. The apostles, go and make disciples of nations. He never says, just stay where you are, hang out, it's cool. He's saying, go. Why? Because we are compelled. Jeremiah compares it to a fire shut up in his bones. Like, I know if you've had any experience with Jesus, you know that moment when something gets inside of you and you're like, oh, if this doesn't come out, I'm going to explode. If, you've, if you have ever, just even in the slightest little bit, interacted with him, encountered him, had him speak to you, you know it, it does something inside of you. And you can't, you can't just stay still. We can't just stay where we are. We can't just stay in this building. We can't just stay in our houses. So I ask you, who is God sending you to? Where is he telling you to go? Because if you've heard the call, I guarantee you he's asking you to go somewhere. Or, or maybe more importantly, to someone. Has he, asked, has he asked you to go to your neighbor? Has he asked you to go and reconcile with a family member? Has he asked you to go to your children or go to your spouse? Has he asked you to go to vintage and serve? Has has he asked you to go to some urban area and be an agent of renewal and transformation? Has he asked you to go to your child's PTA meeting? Has he asked you to go to Camp Adventure? Has he asked you to go to some area far flung across the world where people don't speak English and there's no air conditioning or ice cubes? Has he asked you to go? Where is he telling you to go? Because I'm telling you, if you've heard it and you haven't done it, you'll be miserable until you do. Look at Jonah. Jonah hears the call of God, flagrantly disobeys, almost gets these guys on a ship killed, instead of getting swallowed by a huge fish. And spit up anyway where he's supposed to go. So I'm telling you, if God has asked you to go somewhere, called you to go to someone, until you go, you'll be miserable. So why not go wherever God asks you to go? Also, we need to do whatever God asks us to do. Because our our calling, just as it's marked by going, it's also marked by action. It's marked by doing things. James says, if you, you show me your salvation, your faith by what you believe, I'll show it to you by what I do. This is isn't saying we earn something. It's saying that our faith, the calling that God has placed in us, is so powerful, is so active, that we can't call it the calling of God. We can't call it his activity until it is propelling us, compelling us to do something. Jeremiah says he can't accomplish God's call because he can't speak. You may say, well, God has asked me to do something. I don't have the tools. I don't have the resources. I don't have the abilities. I can't do this thing. But God points out that it is his speaking to Jeremiah that accomplishes his purpose. Like if you look at the calling of God in your life, whatever God has asked you to do, according to your own ability, according to what you bring to the table, according to what you have in your toolbox... You automatically, point blank right there, you automatically disqualify yourself from accessing any of God's supernatural grace to accomplish his purpose through us. So the moment you say, you've called me to love my neighbor, but I don't love them in and of myself, so I can't. Well, then you, you remove yourself from the Holy Spirit bearing the fruit of love in your life supernaturally. The, the moment you see somebody at Vintage come forward for ministry time and they have a big boot on their ankle and they want prayer that maybe God will touch their body and actually do something. And you say, well, I, I can't do I don't have faith for that. I, I can't do that. That is the moment when you say, well, I can't do it, so it's not going to be done. And then you, maybe somebody else will do it, but you remove yourself from that situation and, and, the, and the grace of God moves in someone and, and you're just, you're, you disqualify yourself from that action. There's a, I think he was Welsh, Smith Wigglesworth, was he Welsh? English. Um, Turn-of-the-century guy, he, he he was strong. If you haven't read about him, I encourage you to. He said, I would rather have God's hand on me for five minutes. I would rather live with God's hand, His supernatural grace, fully active in my life for five minutes than have a million dollars. It's a great opportunity. But the moment we say, Well, I can't do this, so it won't get done because I just don't have maybe somebody else, maybe Steve will do it, maybe Scott'll do it. Maybe that guy who I know has good quiet times, and maybe he'll do that. That's the moment we remove ourselves from from the equation of God actually using us as an agent of transformation in someone's life or in our community or or in a situation. Because you look at Acts 4.13, Peter and John, common, ordinary men, but the Sanhedrin took note. Why? Because they'd been with Jesus. They, They had been with Jesus, and they moved from common, unschooled, ordinary fishermen to later it says in Acts 17, men who were turning the world upside down. So like if you're, if you're a construction worker here, if you're a teacher, housewife, nanny, you're in good company because those are, those are kind of ordinary professions, just like being a fisherman was an ordinary profession then. So you're in good company because you're, you're positioned just right to turn the world upside down as long as you do what he asks you to do. So with, it, with this thing, I have, I have a question what would you be willing to attempt for Jesus if you knew you couldn't fail? What would you be willing to attempt for Jesus if you knew you couldn't fail? Would you do whatever he asks you to do? So we need to be who he asks us to be. Go wherever he asks us to go and, and do whatever he asks us to do. So what, what hinders us from doing this? It's, it's right there in verse 8. It says, don't be afraid. Fear. Fear is what can stop you. Fear, you look at the situation and you say, well, I can't do it. That'll eat me alive. Well, I've tried that before and it hasn't gone well. So I'm, I'm going to sit this one out, thanks. How do we overcome this fear? Fear that who, who God calls us to me might, might not be popular, that where he got, calls us to go might be risky, or what he asks us to do might be terrifying. Again, it says it right there. For I am with you and I will rescue you. You overcome it by by living in his presence and loving his person. By living in his presence and loving his person. Because when you live in his presence, you look at these things that he calls you to do and you stop looking at it according to what you can do and you realize that he is powerful and loving and kind And sovereign and that he desires to do it more than you do. And when you realize that he holds all the nations of the earth like a drop in his hand. He can he can turn people's hearts like water. The thing that you're terrified of suddenly becomes a a lot smaller. So you do it by living his presence, you do by loving his person because Once you realize that before God ever called you to be who he asked you to be or go where he asked you to go or do what he asked you to do, that there was someone before you who who fulfilled those things perfectly. There was someone who was called to, to be a redeemer for God's people. To go out of his father's presence and to accomplish redemption for his people and he did it perfectly. He had the greatest calling that anyone could ever have. And he fulfilled it completely, not just for the glory of God, but for our good. So that when we shrink away from our calling, we can rest on him. Because when when we are faithless, he is faithful. Jesus fulfilled the calling perfectly so that we could follow in behind him. So that when you aren't who God asks you to be, when you don't go where he tells you to do, Go when you don't do what he tells you to do You realize that jesus did it perfectly So that you can go to him and confess your weakness and he picks you up and says let's try again Let's go again Let's do it again A long, a long time ago There was a missionary Named ct Studd. He had a wife named Priscilla C.T. Studd and Priscilla, they were missionaries. They were in Africa, India, and China. C.T. Studd was an amazing cricket player. He was like the LeBron James of cricket. There's another LeBron James joke for you. Um, and he was radically saved when he was in college. He left cricket, and he was actually coming into to a large inheritance from his father, and he gave it all away except for about $75,000 that he gave to his wife. Because he read in the Bible that if you don't take care of your family, you're worse than an unbeliever. So, so he gave it away, or so he gave the seventy-five thousand dollars to his wife. She actually gave it away, and they went to the mission field. And one time, CT Studd and his wife Priscilla were leading a, a service in, in a little storefront church in China. And they were they had a had a good service, and they were ending it. And CT Studd, they they decided they were going to sing this hymn or song, "Stand Up, Stand Up for Jesus." And C.T. Studd was like, ah, oh, we, we need to do something to emphasize this point of standing for Jesus. And so he, he looked around and he, oh, well, everybody's already standing. So he, so he said, let's all stand in our chairs and sing the song. So everybody stood in their chairs and they sang stand up, stand up for Jesus. And there was one man who didn't stand in his, in his chair. And he was the senior field missionary, C.T. Studd's boss. Comes up to him after the service and said, Mr. Studd, that was the most blatant display of emotionalism I've ever seen. If you ever do that again, you will never lead a service in this mission organization for the rest of your life. Sometime later, Priscilla was on a, on a tram steamer going across the Yangtze River. And this man, same guy, comes up to her and said, Miss Stud, I've noticed um, you and your husband really seem to enjoy serving jesus you really seem to enjoy ministry and worship and pre- you seem to enjoy this and she said yeah i guess we do." they said no don't get me long, wrong i'm committed to the lord i'm committed to his work but I, I can't say that i enjoy it and and priscilla said well it hasn't always been this way for us we we were worn out and tired and just done. And we, we came to the point, we said, we said God, we, we have to be able to enjoy this if we're going to do it for the rest of our lives. And we surrendered fully to him, and he flooded us with his presence and his peace and his spirit. And, and he said, the, the senior missionary said, do you, do you think he would do that for me? And she said, I believe he would, but let me ask you, let me ask you a question. She said, Okay. He said, Would you be whoever God asked you to be? And he said, I believe I would. He said, Would you go wherever God asked you to go? And he said, I believe I would. He, she said, Would you do whatever he asked you to do? And he said, Yeah, ma'am, I, I believe I would. She said, I have one more question. She said, okay. She said, would you stand on your chair for Jesus? <laughs> and he said, yes, ma'am, I believe, you I believe I would. So she stands up and hands him her chair, said, you can use mine. It's not, it's not in use right now. And in her journal it says he took the chair into the saloon and apparently stood on it. And she said, I don't know whether he went in to pray or to preach. But I know he came out a different man. I'm telling you, if you had any interaction with Jesus and he's asked you to be someone or go somewhere or do something, there's probably a chair you're not standing on right now. There's there's something you're not willing to be. There's somewhere you're not willing to go. There's something you're not willing to do. And so this morning, I want to ask you if you'll stand on your chair for Jesus. I want to ask you if, you, if you'll be whoever he asks you to be. If you'll go wherever he asks you to go and, and do whatever he asks you to do. So what we're going to do is Harvest is going to come up and lead us in ministry time. And students and youth leaders, along with our normal ministry teams, are going to come up. So y'all go ahead and come up, ministry teams and students. Corbin, you're a student. And here's the invitation for ministry time. If there is a chair that you're not standing on, if there's something you're holding back that is hindering you from accomplishing God's purpose in and through you, I invite you to come forward and receive prayer and ask Jesus to help you stand on that chair. Because until we do this, until this is who we are and what we do, we'll be missing out. So I'm going to pray and you can come forward. Um, Jesus, we love you. Um, We thank you for calling us. We thank you that you're doing something in our students. We thank you that you're doing something specifically in our body. And we pray that we would live lives worthy of the calling. We pray that we would be whoever you ask us to be, that we would go wherever we ask you to go, and do whatever you ask us to do. So we love you, Jesus, in your name. Amen.
4: Where you go, I'll go. Where you say, I'll say. God, and where you pray, I'll pray. Where you go, I'll go. Where you say, I'll say. God, and will you pray, I. You pray. When every move that Jesus made was in, so.
1: to stay and receive prayer. You're more than welcome to. Um, But I do want to release people who need to go if if you need to go pick up your kids or just be on your way. We bless you. We love you. i A reminder of prayer this this Thursday. Um, And also look out for youth emails. Other than that, we love you. Thank you so much for being here and praying for our students. Um, Again, stay. If you need prayer, but if you need to go, we love you. Have a great week.